All right. Well, I got to tell you, folks, I am super excited for today's episode. So I have <clears throat> my friend Michelle Kerr with me. And, you know, I could start off and maybe I will. I'll just start off with a bad joke, right? You know, what happens when two CPAs walk into a podcast? Well, you might be thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't want to listen to a podcast with two CPAs. They're just going to be talking about tax and it's going to be boring. And uh, 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 right. Well, whatever you do, listen, because what you're going to find out is even though we both may be CPAs, what we're going to talk about today is absolutely not what you would expect two CPAs to talk about. So with that, we're going to roll the episode. Hi, I'm Jason Mefford, and you're in the right place to start transforming your career and life with this podcast. I've been in the trenches as an executive leader, and now I'm an executive coach and confidential advisor to executives all over the world. I use a multidisciplinary approach to improve learning that drives transformation by getting to the root cause in a practical, no-nonsense way. I love learning and sharing what makes people tick. You get both education and entertainment, since learning shouldn't be boring, right? But that's enough about me. This podcast is a combination of intuitive leadership, neural influence, and mental mastery to take your career and life to levels you've never thought possible. If you're wanting to improve yourself, develop stronger relationships professionally and personally, make quicker, better decisions, and become a more effective leader, then of course, this podcast is for you because you are going to learn how to manage emotions in yourself and others, avoid burnout, stress, and anxiety, master your mind, get people to listen and take action, and become a lifelong learner. And when you do that, you will have a positive mental attitude, executive leadership presence, and the skills to know exactly what to say and do in any situation. I'm glad you're here. So, let's get started. Hey, Michelle, how are you, my friend? Doing great. How are you, Jason? I'm excited to have you here with me. There's... Um, you know, we've known each other now for a couple of years and it's even as we were talking right before, before we hit record. And so again, who knows where this is going to go folks, right? This is a, this is me, right? So who knows where this discussion is going to go, but even more parallels with your life and my life. I mean, it's like, it's no wonder that we have this connection as friends, mm -hmm. um, even though we're halfway across the country from each other. So anyway, I wanted to, you know, bring, bring in, you know, just thumbnail, you know, we're both CPAs, right. But, but we're not going to talk about that kind of stuff today. Right. But just kind of let, let people know a little bit about you because I, I want to get in and, and talk about something that's both passionate for us, which is mm -hmm. connection. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, my name is Michelle Kerr. I grew up in Indiana. Um, Hoosier, Hoosier. Indiana Hoosier, right on the border of Illinois and Indiana. And uh, most all of my extended family lived in the area. 
and my family is very entrepreneurial. Um, so business was modeled in all facets of my extended family. Everybody was involved in, in business. And um, I think I, I just really admire the, the role that small business plays in the global economy and seeing how people navigate conversations around that. Like I, I would say I kind of glamorized what it meant to be a business person so that that was why I didn't know a CPA and I actually decided in eighth grade that I wanted to go to college to study accounting not knowing anything about accounting I took a high school accounting class I was good at it and all of the profiles you know personality profiles said that that would be a good career for me I think my other two choices were to be a nurse and I don't have a clinical stomach, so that went out quick. <laughs> and a kindergarten teacher, which I think I verbatim said, they don't make any money. Yeah. So it was accounting. Well, and, and it's funny, right? Because we we both ended up that way in our in our training, right? I mean, it's it's a good solid thing to have, right? You can always fall back on it. I got told that a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But what I think is interesting, you know, and that I alluded to before, neither one of us are really the traditional stereotypical CPA, right? Yeah. But, but we've lived that life for years, and now we're kind of trying to unpack who we actually are underneath, right? Exactly. So, so maybe talk a little bit about that, you know, as you've gone through, you know, your life, Cause yeah, I mean, for being a CPA professional business, you know, you gotta, all these things are expectations that get thrown upon you. Right. Um, how did, how did that work for you in, in, in in your life? You know, because, because again, you're expected to kind of be one person professionally, but I'm guessing that probably wasn't who you felt that you were underneath. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll say a couple of things. So my dad was self-employed and he didn't actually finish college. They didn't have enough money. So he dropped out after a year and a half. And my mom never went to college. Um, she worked for the phone company for 18 years. And um, my dad really instilled the principles of hard work, ethic, ethical business interaction. And he would, he would be one person at home you know, very strict and stern. My friends were afraid of him. A good man, like a loving man, but also he would withdraw when he was displeased with you. Um, but he instilled those, those values for my brother and I. And then, you know, I would be with him out in the community and he was like a mayor. <laughs> I'm going, who is this guy? <laughs> He's he not the dad not that he is at home. At home. Yeah. But he's like, hey, Jason, how's whatever your wife's name? And, and they're like, oh, is this your daughter? And I'm going, who is this guy? Like he was so engaging with people. So that had been modeled to me, kind of how to get to know people. And I, I grew up as the firstborn, the overachiever. I have one brother who's 20 months younger. And so I was typically doing the good girl role. I'm also the only girl in both sides of my family. I was the only niece, the only granddaughter. So I've always been kind of an old soul, like in the kitchen with my grandmas and aunts and 
hearing stories about the family. I remember most of my youth, I couldn't wait to grow up. I just wanted to go into business because it was the language of business. It was a portable degree that I could do anything with. I minored in French. And um, I just wanted to get there, get to that grown up. I loved like the image back at the time, women in business were wearing pencil skirts and hosiery and closed toe shoes. And someone from the local school business came and spoke at my high school classroom. And I was just enamored with all of it, the computers, <laughs> all of the technology of it, the office environment, the professionalism, and, you know, kind of being proper, if you will, like propriety, you know, mm-hmm. but inside, I would say it worked for me because I, I am more reserved and perceptive and introspective. Um, I learned through the career to engage people and draw them out. I think I learned some of that through my experience going to church growing up too, just being welcoming. And I've, I've always longed to have deep, authentic connection with people, um, have more meaningful conversation, more authentic and real conversation. And maybe that's because my brother and my cousins were into things I thought was trivial. <laughs> and I was beyond that and wanted to grow up, you know. Um, so I've always wanted to connect beyond surface level things. So I, I think I think that's honestly why I'm a CPA is because it was a means to an end. I wanted connection and intimacy and to matter, to be important. And what better way to do that than helping people with their money and finances and them needing you to advise them, them trusting you. You're being talking about very intimate things. I mean, these aren't things people. No, people people don't like to talk about their finances, right? I mean, yeah. that's that and their sexual life. Those are like the two exactly. things that nobody usually wants to talk about. Exactly. And throughout my career, all of my feedback was, you know, you need to be more technical, blah, blah, blah. You're, I'm not a technical person, really. I'm a relationship person. And, and in my firm, I'm known as a relationship ninja. And it makes sense to me now that I under, understand that my highest value is connection. Well, that's, that's why I wanted to, to talk to you a little bit more about this, because, you know, a lot of times in professions like ours or other professions, we tend to treat people like transactions, right? We, ju- we just got to get it done. You know, I'm, I'm interviewing you for your, you know, your taxes or whatever I'm working on right now. So I got to ask you all these questions and I got to be productive. So I got to be quick about it. Right. And there's really no bedside manner, if you will, that, that typically goes along with it. Right. So, mm-hmm. but you're a person who, who wants that deep, authentic connection and focusing on relationships is important, right? I mean, in fact, people that I work with, it's like, they're very technical, but they have no relationship skills. And it's like, of course you're having trouble, <laughs> right? Because you're not doing it. So, so I mean, kind of talk a little bit about that. What does it look like to actually connect with somebody? Because I, again, I think... Mm. I think a lot of times too, people that are technical, introverted, whatever, right? It's like, if I go, oh, Michelle, nice picture on the back, on on your wall. And you go, oh, thank you. 
now we've connected, right? That's not connection, not though, right? Exactly. Explain, <laughs> explain what connection is. Okay, so you don't mean in the context of what I do professionally. You just mean what? Just in general, mean? too, Con- right? Connection means that you're willing to share enough of yourself to let down the wall a little bit to um, expose not necessarily private information, but real sincere thought and, and feeling and sentiment around things that matter to you, whether that's your love of poetry or your love of your dog or travel or vacation, sharing enough of you to let someone else identify with that or not and possibly connect with it and to be um, relatable you know to understand like to understand someone and have them reflect back to you that part of you well and I think that's interesting because again you know as you as you've been talking (laughs) there's a lot of other little inflection points right that again if if you and I are going to have a connection, so let's just talk a little bit about maybe connection with other people. And then I want to get to the connection with yourself that you and I have talked about before, because a lot of people forget that. Right. But the, you know, some of the stuff that you've said already, you mentioned poetry. Mm -hmm. I write poetry too. Right. There's, there's a connection there, you know, early in our you know, adolescent life, we kind of knew that business was for us. I mean, I was the nerd that at 13 was like subscribing to Forbes magazine and reading it cover to cover at 13. I know it's like, wow, I was never, that <laughs> you, you weren't that bad. Right. But, <laughs> but right. So, so there's, there's all these different things, your, your parents and your growing up, you know, there's a lot of parallels there as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So even in going through and talking, you've shared a little bit of you to me that makes you much more relatable. So, so, I mean, how, how do we, how does that connection now come about? I mean, if somebody's trying to connect with another human, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you do? Cause I know that's like one of your highest values is you love connecting with people. How do you do it? I think, um, first of all, (laughs) when you're so uncomfortable with yourself, when you're so shelled up and walled up with yourself, it's very hard to connect with anyone else. I mean, you're basically not putting out any points of connection, (laughs) you know, from your being. Like when we have something over us, like a shell, and I used to actually say this, my shell, me shell, like a Ooh. I have a hard <clears throat> outer shell, but the inside was really soft. I just didn't, it's a very small circle that got to see that. That's what I said. And then I would be in my environment and people are like, you wear your emotions on your sleeve. But I'm like, oh, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find that part of me, but it's like, my heart is so big. It just kind of comes out sometimes when I'm my natural self. When we're operating from, and a lot of people are going through life, operating from the place of hurt and misinterpretations that we learn as young people, their whole experience of life is from that place. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned in the last two years in the lines of allowing everyone to have their own experience of life and to have compassion for them 
because I, I was that way too. I've had moments in my life where I've been that way, where I'm living from the place of my past hurt, my past, this always happens for me. This never happens for me. I'm always disappointed because somebody looked at me wrong or somebody didn't give me the promotion I wanted, whatever it is. So when you're operating from that place, I think it's very difficult to have genuine connection. But in the simplest form of it, you can be in connection with a cash person, cashier person, when you're checking out in a store for a moment, you're in relationship with them. You can be pleasant and courteous. So there's, I think, degrees of connection, but the, the kind of connection that I'm valuing is a very deep, um, meaningful, more raw, more real, um, not the news, not your Republican, Democratic political affiliation, your religion, but you as a person who are, who is Jason without regard to where you live, where you're from, what nationality, what religion, and what is common there. And that's something I think I'm an Enneagram type six, mm-hmm. which is known as the loyalist. And it's a, there's nine types and they're based in different things. Six is based in fear. And I, that was how I grew up. It was all rooted in fear. Fear this. Don't do that. You're going to break your head. You're going to crack your head open. All those things. Um, but one of the things six looks for is stability, security, structure. I mean, it really fits well with accounting, right? No, it's not. Yeah. No wonder that that's what you chose to do professionally. And it was all subconscious because I didn't know any accounts. I didn't, I started my first job in public accounting and I was six hours away from my hometown and they told me that there were mandatory Saturdays. And I was like, you mean I can't go back home till after April 15th? I was so naive. I was 21. So anyway, went on a little tangent, but that's. That's where we go on this, on this podcast. So that's just fine. Love it. But I, but I want I wanted to ask a little bit more about because I think I think one thing that you know I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening that think you know what I I don't have the kind of relationships that I really want right I do feel alone I don't really feel that intimacy with other people mm-hmm. and and maybe they've gone from relationship to relationship to relationship right and so then that kind of reinforces, makes it worse. Cause then you've got this, Oh, I'm so happy. And then all of a sudden there's this loss and abandonment that happens in, in mm-hmm. life. Right. And, and I think what th- the point that you brought up is you have to be comfortable with yourself first. Right. And so I, I've heard again, you know, intimacy, if you want to have intimacy into myself, I see right, is another way of kind of looking at that. So, so if people want to have connection and want to have intimacy with other people, they got to get comfortable with themselves, it sounds like, right? For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, as you were talking, I was just thinking back in my own life, um, because my, my home life was good. I had a good home life, but my dad and my mom were not very good examples of communication, particularly my dad. Um, so if I look back in my, in the past of my life, the people who had influence, both of my grandmothers were very, had a very special bond with both of them. And I I would say they're two of the people who knew me better than anyone, maybe even my, 
my first husband and my second husband. Um, and why that was, they were open and vulnerable. I mean, they were, they did a great job, but they weren't like authoritarian with me. My, my mom's mom lost her mother at like age eight. So inside there was still like this girly girlishness. It was like her little girl within her and my little girl within me became like kindred spirits. And she always allowed me to see her. She had a fun side. She loved to dance. She'd tell me stories about my grandpa who died when I was three and how he raised my mom and her siblings. And that was connection. Like I was getting that connection with her and learning more about my mom and my family. And then I've had school teachers who've been mentors in my life. Um, there's a lady that I had her for seventh, eighth and ninth grade for consumer education and cooking and sewing and um, child development and all these different things. And I grew up helping her clean her house through high school and college as extra money. And then she had kids and I went with them every year to Hilton Head. But I look back, we're still friends to this day. She was in town a couple of weeks ago and we went to, to lunch and she's like 63. Um, but she was somebody who invested in me and also allowed me to know her. You know, she kind of, she contributed to that um, classy woman image and organized together um, because my mom wasn't a good demonstration of health at the time. She is now, but she didn't do that till she was 60. And so I had people in my life who, you know, invested in me by sharing and drawing me out and helping me grow and develop. And you, you, you've got to be willing to give something of yourself too to have connection. You can't just like reach on to someone that you feel connection from and feel all of their energy. <laughs> you know, you've got to be able to together, you know, Bruce Lipton talks about being in phase and not in phase. And have you ever felt like down and not really wanted to go to like a holiday party or any kind of social gathering because you weren't in the mood, but then you get there and you're really having a good time with whoever you're visiting with and you you actually get energized by it because you're in phase with what they're talking about that's what I mean with the shared experience where together you're magnifying a higher vibrant vibration and frequency than each of you individually do alone so there's got to be some give and take in the exchange to feel connected which means you have to know yourself and be comfortable enough in your own skin to share some of you well, and I think that <clears throat> that can be hard for a lot of people, right? I mean, it's, it's been hard for me at different points in my life. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's been hard for you at different points in your life, right? Because yeah. a lot of times, you know, we grow up who we are, then we get trained, we get indoctrinated with, you know, religion and profession. And, you know, I mean, again, in our profession, it was, I mean, I worked at Arthur Anderson was my, was my first gig out of college. Right. And it was, it was, uh, in that firm, right. It was very much that, you know, respectable, you know, kind of a thing. I mean, that you, you had to wear a hat up until the sixties, you know, 
Um, I remember one, one of the partners that I knew, you know, he was an old school partner and his first day of showing up at work, uh, he comes in, he doesn't have a briefcase. And everybody looks at him and they're like, where's your briefcase? He's like, I don't have anything to carry in my briefcase. Well, you can't show up to the client's office without a briefcase. So they stopped and bought a briefcase. <laughs> so he walked into the client with nothing in his briefcase, but that was kind of the image that was expected. You know, if you were a partner in the fifties, you had to mow your lawn in khakis and a button down in case a client drove by. Right. I mean, there's, there's like all these pressures of, of not being necessarily who we are. And so we get taught to put on a face of what we expect everybody else mm-hmm. wants, but then that kind of hides us. And I think makes it more difficult for us to have this kind of connection that you're talking about. For sure, for sure. And I think um, before the times that we're in now, you know, with COVID and everything where people are even more isolated it's almost magnifying the need for, or the fact that this state of busyness that we all lived in for so long, going, 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 you know, that, that where I grew up, we had a swing on the front porch and people actually were on the other porches and you would talk. Um, and that doesn't really happen anymore. So everything has become so transactional in our exchanges with one another. I mean, most of the time we're on our phones and barely like even looking up to make contact. So it's also about being present with who you're with and turning off your devices and giving your full attention and, you know, really connecting over something meaningful and not just who's picking up the kids or can you get milk on the way home or I paid that bill, you know what I'm saying? Well, no, and, and I, I, I had an experience this this last week because I, I want you to share a little bit more about kind of some of the some of the stuff that you've learned and worked on here. But it, you just kind of reminded me of, you know, sometimes we end up being transactional. We we just, you know, like you said, we we text people. I mean, I, I remember I texted somebody this week, you know, and it was kind of a transactional sort of text. And, and their response back was, you know, hello, and then whatever. And it's like, all of a sudden, I just sat with that. And I'm like, shit, I didn't even have the common courtesy to like, do an an intro, like, hey, how's it going or use the person's name, it was just like, you know, sort of a thing. And it's like, so I, I recovered, I got back in integrity, and I sent a message back you know, that, that was, that was more connecting in its nature instead of transactional, more about the relationship, but, you know, yeah, we, we, we tend to do that a lot. A lot of the, the niceties, the common courtesies, the taking the time to sit in the front swing and talk to your neighbors is, is really kind of gone, which isolates us that much more. Right. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, you've, you've gone through this whole, um, kind of back to that, you know, you've got to, you've got to be comfortable with yourself in order to share and have the connection. So let's, let's go there a little bit. Cause I know you being your friend, I know you've, you have done a lot of work yeah, on this in, in the last couple of years. So maybe, you know, kind of share what's your journey been like, because, 
people that want to go through the same journey, they need, they need to have somebody to model, mm-hmm. right. And show what's possible. And you are somebody who shows what's possible, right? Thank I you. mean, you're in a totally different place now than you were a few years ago. I am. Um, I'm going to go back in time a little bit again. So as a young person, I think I've always been more reserved, not the first to speak up or the life of the party, but um, very introspective and perceptive, but not like in a backward way, maybe a little bit as a young person, but I grew out of that relatively early, like as a teenager. Um, but my, my ability to, to connect with people and share, I think I always knew who I was, but I also lived a lot of my life from a place of needing other people's permission or approval of what I'm doing. Like, you know, society teaches us that achievement is self-worth, that achievement means you love yourself. And that isn't true. When I got my degree, when I passed the exam, when I made partner in the firm, those aren't the things that make me feel self-love and self-worth. Those are things I did or achieved. Um, And I think I felt pretty confident in who I was, but I was also just insecure and indecisive with my decisions and looking for someone else to say, yes, that's a good idea. Very externally validated. And it hasn't been until the last two years that I realized, and I, I went through life letting with this stinking thinking, like these things keep happening to me. Why does this happen to me? I don't understand. I'm such a good person. <laughs> well, no one's going to advocate for you if you don't advocate for yourself. And so really learning to use my voice and to speak up for what I think, what I say, what I need, what I'm paid, my value, whatever it is, has been really empowering for me. Um, in the last two years, I would say that I went through a period of time after my divorce that I just got to kind of a place of like this emptiness. And it was right when I made partner, we sold the house that I'd lived in for 13 years, um, I had always wanted to have children of my own and I didn't. I married somebody with kids and I have a great relationship with my two stepdaughters. So I adore them and I'm glad they're in my life now. But we went through some hard periods too. Um, so there was just this feeling of like, I've had everything planned out and nothing has gone according to plan. And it was, I've stayed in that state for quite a while in that victim low state. And looking back and knowing what I know now, I can see that I basically abandoned myself. Most of my life, I had a fear of being alone or being abandoned. Um, Like I would say things like everyone I love leaves. We had a lot of loss in our family, uh, death from cancer and stuff. And then of course the the marriages, both both of them. I I married my high school sweetheart to start and he'd been my only ever partner. He had all these affairs and I just kept thinking like, what is wrong with me? But I'm the common denominator in all this. And what I now know is that I was so uncomfortable with myself. Like I could not be 
alone with me. I couldn't, when I moved out of the house and into an apartment, I would just stay gone all day until it was time to go to bed. If it wasn't tax season, I would play tennis every night of the week or go to my brother's house and see my nieces. I just numbed out on overdoing. I'd come to work because I knew what needed to be done here. I had something to prove. I had made partner. My clients needed me. Mm-hmm. I could feel important. I could feel like I matter because these people need me. But the truth was that I could not be alone with myself because that would mean that I would have to feel all the feelings of this empty, empty accomplishment that meant nothing because nothing else was here. But I sat in that for way too long until I met our mentor, which is where I met you. And that has been the big, this is the most at ease with me and self-compassionate with me that I've ever been in my life in the last two years. Well, because I've, I've, I've had, again, our lives parallel in so many different ways, right? And big shout out to Jim Fortin as well. So he's, uh, he's, he's who Michelle was referring to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because he's he's made a big impact in your life and in my life and in thousands of other people's lives as well, yeah. right? Because because it is that, you know, and that's why I wanted to talk to you again, too, because so much of the time, you know, like you said, we don't want to deal with our own shit mm-hmm. and we want to blame everything else and the circumstances that we're in and we want to think, oh, it can't be me. When it's usually us, right? So it's like, if you don't have the relationships that you want, it's usually a reflection back on us. And until we take care of ourselves and do some of the, be comfortable actually being with ourselves. I mean, that's, you know, why are so many people busy? Go, 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 do all the time. I think it's exactly what you were doing, what I was doing. You know, there's some is, benefit. <laughs> there's a, there's a benefit for it, right? For we sure. we we don't have to look ourselves in the mirror, you know, and and that's really, but that's where the healing comes as well, yeah. right? So, you know, I know we we've made reference to poetry before. I mean, what are what are some of the ways that you've been able to help get comfortable? again with yourself love yourself be be comfortable with who you are so that you can make those connections with other people as well that's a huge question (laughs) that's why i asked it that's why i asked it (laughs) i remember um in the first round of the transformational coaching program where we met um maybe like and i had joined that program i've been listening to the podcast and it said join the wait list and i was like hmm Okay, and I thought maybe that'll help me as a partner in a CPA firm. But I also was curious about the subconscious mind. My brother had been talking to me quite a bit about Bruce Lipton and patterns and the the speed of the subconscious brain, which is formed Mm -hmm. by the time we're eight and the slow processor of the conscious brain. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have like 44 years of this to overwrite back then. Mm -hmm. And so I got on the wait list and I thought that when the program started, I was there for business. And like four or five weeks in, Jim said on the call, you cannot grow and evolve as a human being when you're constantly hating on that human being. Mm -hmm. 
and I just started crying because I realized I'd grown, I'd grew up in a very, my dad was pretty critical, but I adopted an inner critic that took up residence up here and stayed with me my whole life. And I had a difficult time receiving constructive feedback because whatever you wanted to give me constructive feedback, I was already beating myself up about it in my head. So to get that back, it just, it just hurt. Um, so I lost my train of thought with where I was going with that, but yeah, the inner critic was there. And after that first round ended, I had changed my intention from business to self-worth and then from self-worth to self-love because I realized I was being very unloving with myself. Um, I went through a different program that one of the coaches offered in the summer on um, releasing emotional weight, basically. And there were a lot of journal prompts in that. And in that journal writing, I remembered how much I love writing, but also so much poured out of me. Like when the pen hit the paper, it just kept going. And I'd love, I read the things I was saying to myself and I thought I would never say that to anyone, even somebody I didn't like. I would never use these words. They're full of hate. And that's how my self-talk was. So initially was just becoming aware of the records that were on playing in my head over and over about how I looked or my weight or my voice was one of them. I didn't like my voice. I had been told that I mumbled when I talk and what are you trying to say? And I can't understand you. So I had all these messages about why people don't listen to me or take me seriously. Stories that I had made up to support my story that my voice had something wrong with it. And now I've, I've had so many people tell me that my voice is calming and reassuring. Um, so yeah, I was fixing my self-talk and then just lots of journaling and unpacking things and taking myself for a walk or committing to not eat at my desk or to not just make a smoothie and grab and go, like actually sit down and prepare a meal and eat it mindfully, not in front of my work. <laughs> Little things that I, I had just in that two or three year period after my divorce gotten in a pattern of being on the go, grabbing with whatever to keep me going to do my job and to not take care of myself. Well, yeah, and it sounds like that, you know, when you started changing, you did take time to take care of yourself, right? Because mm -hmm. again, sometimes our product, you know, oh, we got to be productive. That's why we eat at our desk, right? Instead of, it's not really going to make that much difference if you go for 15 minutes or a half an hour and actually mm -hmm. separate it, right? Mm -hmm. but, but also, I think some, some tangible things, you know, that you brought up there with, with the writing, with the journal mm -hmm. prompting. You know, I, I, I know for me, I, uh, <laughs> when I was going through a tough part in my career, I started writing again, you know, mm -hmm. so I've, um, I have half of a novel actually, um, that is, that is written. I don't know if it'll ever, but, it. but it, but it was very therapeutic, uh -huh. right. For me. And like you said, you know, I use poetry for the same thing, journal journaling, is the same thing because I think sometimes, like you said, we don't realize how hard we're being on ourselves mm -hmm. 
until we get it out. And you went back and you read those words and you're like, man, I would never say that to somebody that I hated. Why am I saying that to myself? Right. And then you start to have the awareness. So now you can start, start doing things different. I think too, um, this program in particular had 30 days of journal prompts and you had the weekend to catch up. So it went over six weeks, so five days a week. So there were prompts to follow, but I was just surprised at what came out, the volume. And I, I like to write. And I think I've just gotten in the habit so much at work of being on the computer that there's a different part of your brain that's engaged when it's writing and it just flows more easily and it taps into that right side of the brain as well, that creative part. And that is where I remembered that I love I love to write letters and poems and cards. And I had just stifled that part of me a little bit. And um, there were some other exercises in that program because a lot of things had to do with my body weight as well. During that period of time, I had an emergency surgery in my gallbladder mm. where, resent where resentment lives, just so mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and my weight changed after that and it hadn't been the same. And I was making that mean all kinds of things. And um, one of the journal prompts was to go back over your life and look at different pictures of yourself at all different ages and stages of life and think about what kind of messages and self-talk were you saying to yourself then? Were you unhappy with your legs or your thighs or whatever? Now you look at them, you're like, oh, it's good there. You know? mm -hmm. So we always don't like where, we, where we're at. And then later we're like, oh, I looked good back then. I mean, you wouldn't say, we, there's seasons of life. You wouldn't say to your, your kid, I mean, I don't have my own kids, but you wouldn't say when they're 14, like I liked you better when you were four. Yeah. No, you you celebrate all the ages that they were, right? <laughs> it's the season. Yeah, well, and and just like you know, I had a lot of acne when I was fourteen, right? So it's it's like again, I mean, again, my parents never were like, "Oh, you're ugly, you have acne," right? But right. but did I say that to myself? Probably, right? A little yeah. bit as, as as you go through it. So being careful of 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 what we're actually saying that way. But I think it's I think it's interesting too because. Um, you know, I've experienced this, you've experienced this. A lot of people I talk to have experienced this too, that has made me kind of realize that, you know, as adults, so much of the time we're like, I got to find myself. I got to find my purpose. I got to, uh, whatever. Right. And so right. we end up spinning ourselves around and almost everybody that I've talked to, we've always known what it was. Go back to when we were somewhere between the ages of about eight and 15, 14, mm -hmm. there was something about who we were and what we thought the world was going to be like that we usually forget, right? Yeah. From those teenage years up until our adulthood. Yeah. And I think it kind of seems like that's similar for you as well, right? That is your reconnecting with yourself, getting more intimate with yourself, you're really just unlocking that girl mm -hmm. that's always been there that you built the wall around. Yeah. So when I said, get your feet on the ground and get in your head and do all that analytical stuff, mm -hmm. get out of your head, get your feet on the ground and quit being so dreamy, I think is what I called it. Hmm. But dreaming is free. Sorry that 
exactly. song just went through my head. <laughs> you were I, doing I, that I went Blondie. through a period of time where I said I don't know how to dream. So I've stopped saying that and just let myself like go out, ponder something that I want to do. And then like one of them was I want to live on a catamaran for at least a month or so. I, I want to be near the shore. I want to go out during the day for snorkel excursions, but at night when we dock, I want to be near the shore. I'm, I'm still like, as I play with this more, I'm like, maybe I want to be in a bougie hotel where I can see my catamaran, but I'm in the hotel at night. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to sleep on it. I want a private shop. So like somebody asked me one time, I have you ever looked up the prices? So I didn't, I did now. And, you know, I think about it and I let myself like just play or flirt with the idea. I think some of it is just being curious and flirting with these ideas. Like, hmm, what would that be like? What would it be like to write? What would it be like to live on the catamaran? Well, and to realize that it is, it's okay for it, right? And, and yeah. again, that we can be <clears throat> who we are and, and not have to live within the boundaries of what we think other people are expecting right exactly now some people might drop off from our life as a result of that that's always something that can happen right yeah you and i have gone through divorces and relationships we we're living proof folks right when yeah. you change sometimes other people in your life don't don't carry on with you but um but at the end it's worth it i think right i mean you yeah, it's like Jim says, it's only going to last in relationship with someone as common as your identities are. So if your identity is one thing and mine's a different way, we're going to we're gonna fall away eventually. Um, but again, it's like knowing thyself, knowing thyself. And it helps me. It has helped me so much. Um, my friend Reese helped me with this when I was letting go of some things after my divorce, like letters and cards and I got emotional and um, she was like, well, what does the cards say? And I'm like, well, they thank me for my sacrifice of my role in his kids' lives and a lot about his kids. And she's like, but you're so close with them and they call you and you guys love each other and you go to lunch. Like your relationship is a testament to that. So do you need the card to tell you that? Or is the relationship living and showing that enough? <clears throat> and she shared with me that when her mom died, um, she looks, and in the past, just going through relationships she's been in, it helped her to know or to think about what did I receive from that relationship. And that was very freeing with me because I did have takeaways. Like that most recent marriage grew me. It allowed me to receive, um, open up my world as far as travel, like five-star travel, lots of places around the, the world. And just seeing the different topography of the world and the people and the places and all the beauty that is in creation. We, we're all one, everything is one. The places, the food, the, the beauty, you and I, the animals, we're all created from that same innate intelligence. And it's, it's inside the fabric of who we are. That expanded me. Yeah, and I think that 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 kind of you know ties it around in in a big bow in some ways as well. And what we've been talking about is that <clears throat> we are all connected. Anyway, well, how do we choose 
to connect, right? Are we going to be loving to ourselves, loving to other people? Or are we going to, you know, show up and do things that is not how we would want to be treated? So why would we treat anyone, anything that way as well? Because what you do to someone else, you're doing to yourself. 100%. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I mean, I think, you know, again, your, your desire for this connection, I think, everybody listening, we all have a desire for connection, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it sounds like from your story where that connection really starts is inside, with right? Me, for sure. The connection starts with me. And as you change, as you love yourself more, then the connection can actually happen with other people. Mm-hmm. I think people are craving that that real vulnerability unfortunately we're in an environment where a lot of division is present and the media feeds that so setting aside everything that's going on in those issues and I was never one to like to talk about politics I've always kind of just navigated around that um, and just thought to ask people questions more about them and their life and anytime there was an opening or something like I would find the common ground I'm always looking for the common ground that I could identify. And then I share a part of me that matches that to reflect back to them and to, you know, let them feel seen and heard and be present. And it's like, we're meant to be in community. We're meant to be known and to know others. And there's so much isolation right now when you can look at everyone from that place of compassion and allowing them to have their own experience of life and not trying to put your opinions on them or your religion or any of that masks, no masks, V word, no V word. I mean, like without all of that going on, you and I can have a conversation and be real and see where the common ground is. Well, I think for everybody listening, you might want to rewind because Michelle just gave you like the golden relationship uh, key, if you will, right? Where she said, well, maybe I'll repeat it. How about that, right? That, that when you, because again, your partners and other people call you the relationship ninja, right? Mm-hmm. So here you go, folks. Here's some relationship ninja help is find the common ground, right? I mean, you, you and I have traveled literally all over the world. We've met people all over the place we can all find something in common with anyone, right? For sure. So it's, yeah. So instead of looking at differences, find something common ground, share something relevant about yourself, right? Because again, you said earlier on, you know, we have to often share or give before we receive. That's the other thing that so many people don't understand you get after you give, right? Say that again, folks, you get after you give. So unless you're willing to give, you're not going to have some of that intimacy and connection that you're, that you're really searching for. I'll just just say, I'm still a student of this. I'm not a relationship expert. Okay. I'm just telling you what connection means to you, but I, I did write a poem. I love to share with you. I would love that. I was hoping you were going to feel comfortable doing that. 
Well, this, I didn't share this one before, but something you just said made this one come to mind. And I, I wrote those, I think, back in May um, as possible possibility to include in a book um, preference. But I'm going to share it. It's, I am infinite wisdom. I am infinite grace. I am a powerful creator. I take up space. I am peace, joy, and love. I am innately divine perfectly imperfect, infinitely sublime. I'm here to serve. I am here to explore. I am a beacon of hope. I am here to implore. Mind, body, and spirit awaken again. I am being called up. It's now, not when. My gifts are needed. I recognize them now. No more fear and hiding. I lay all of that down. Connecting to others and to Mother Earth restores within me a knowing of worth, a desire to know you, to see and to hear, to acknowledge and honor why you are here. You reflect me and I reflect you. When we honor that, there's nothing to do. For each one's experience, allowance and grace, Humanity reflected, what a beautiful place. I welcome you along with a grateful heart. The door is always open when you're ready to start. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. It's, Thank you um, for having me. Yeah, and I think that's probably a perfect place to end. You know, this is, again, as I told you folks at the beginning, it wasn't gonna be anything like you were expecting. And it's not. And what Michelle shared today is stuff that we all need to hear. We're all searching, you know, for that connectedness. And and she's sharing with you how to do it. And there is so much power actually in that last poem that you just read there. Um, that's one of those you could pick apart and listen to and read over and over and over again. It's going to mean something different to you all the time so so thank you my friend i knew that uh, so i had to have you on here and uh and talk and i really really appreciate it we might have to have you back in the future too because there's so much so many other places we could have gone today thank as well. you for all the good work you're doing in the world and your impact and your personal impact in my life you've been a great friend and you're a resource to me last fall and i really appreciate you jason well, thank you. I, I appreciate you. And I think our relationship, again, it's a, it's a testament to that connectedness and that we impact each other. We are each other. We are all connected and we need, we need each other to become yeah. our highest and best selves as well. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you enjoyed the most about the podcast. And you may even be featured on a future episode. When you're ready to turbocharge your leadership development, Join the Briefing Leadership Program where you get access to everything in one place and 
can interact directly with me in the group. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to C-Risk Academy's video on-demand learning platform at ondemand.criskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you will also have access to hundreds of video on-demand learning opportunities. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.